Welcome to the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Morgan Anderson, psychologist, relationship coach, attachment theory expert, creator of the ESL relationship method, author of Love Magnet and Athletic Wear Connoisseur. My mission is to help you raise your self-worth, have great relationships, and step confidently into the next level of your life. Each week, two episodes will air featuring expert advice, live coaching, and tips showing you exactly how to improve your life and attract to healthy relationship. You deserve to feel empowered, secure, and loved. Buckle up and let's get vulnerable. Dr. Morgan here, your host. This is going to be a great episode. We're talking about responses to relational trauma. And I'm also going to go into ways to cope that are healthy and how to know if you are coping in a healthy way versus a way that's just maintaining things. So we're going to get into it. This will be a good episode. I hope you had a great holiday with friends, family, and I hope you were able to really take care of yourself, sneak in some self-care. I know sometimes for these holidays, it was my first time hosting in my house And there can be so much work and prep that goes into hosting people. And you can kind of feel like, dang, I'm not really getting to take care of myself. So my hope is that you found time to do that and that you're able to really feel the gratitude, uh, the purpose of giving thanks, right? That's what this is really about this time of year. I know I certainly have so much gratitude for all of you for this podcast community. I love this community so much. We've grown together over the years. I hope you like the new cover art, the new intro, outro. And I'm excited about 2024 and continuing to give you the best relationship advice, attachment theory, wisdom, etc. Today's episode is a good one. We're going to talk all about trauma responses. You have heard these terms, but I'm going to go a little bit more in depth and I'm going to tell you how they relate to your attachment style. So we're going over flight, freeze, fight, and fawn, the four Fs. Okay. And then after we talk about that, I'm going to talk about coping. So let's get started. Number one, I want to first say that if you've never thought about this or you haven't thought about, well, geez, how do I respond if I'm feeling triggered? Or how how do I respond when a family member says X, Y, Z, or if someone cancels plans or if someone starts conflict with me? I I want you thinking about that. So that might be some of your homework after this episode is just get curious. How do I respond to difficult scenarios in my life? And this episode should help you. Maybe you'll recognize some of your responses as I explain this, but I just want you being curious. The point is not to judge. The point is not to say like, oh, I guess that's me and this is how I'll be forever. We want to have understanding have compassion, and then this allows us to change. So if you really recognize yourself in these responses, please don't be hard on yourself. It's okay. You can always work to heal. You can always learn how to show up securely attached and how to have healthy 
relationships. It's never too late. All right, let's get into it. So number one, flight, pretty self-explanatory. This is that response of wanting to leave, ghosting, disconnecting, stopping communication. Uh, If you have done this or you've been on the receiving end, you know that this can be incredibly painful, right? Um, So flight, for example, let's say you have a conflict with a coworker and something challenging comes up and they simply leave the room and then they don't, you don't hear from them and they're not returning your calls, whatever. So that's literal flight, right? Um, And then traits of this person. So someone who engages in this way, this can be associated with avoidant attachment style, could also be disorganized where someone has both avoidant and anxious. Um, Some correlation here of people who are throwing themselves into their work, they're they're connecting their self-worth to their ability to be productive, to their ability to achieve. This person likely overthinks, um, can get very easily emotionally overwhelmed, and they're very talented, I'll say. They're talented at disconnecting from emotions and compartmentalizing. And this might be the kind of person where you go, do they even have emotions? Do they feel things, right? You're like, I, I wonder if they actually feel anything. Um, and then this could be highly correlated with perfectionism as well. If you think about it, um, I think that people who find themselves disengaging from something, a lot of times it can be that desire to have it go perfectly or have it go a certain way. And when they know that it can't, it feels safer to leave. Okay. So we've covered flight. Now let's think about fight. So the fight response and this person, you, you may, um, experience anger outbursts. So you might feel like you, and and by the way, you can have more than one. So just want you to know you could have multiple, uh, but you may find yourself holding things in and then getting to a place where you erupt with anger This person can often be called controlling, maybe be seen as a bully. You may say, wow, I think that they might have narcissistic traits or meet criteria for NPD. Um, But this, this person can be really challenging to be in a relationship with. And I think it's really important to realize is all of these behaviors we're talking about, this was learned. So at some point, the person who has a fight trauma response, they learned that. They probably picked it up in childhood. Maybe they saw their parents fighting or people in their worlds fighting, and they learned that that's what you did, right? And that that fighting looked like yelling or angry outbursts, and that that's the only way that you'll be heard. I hear that a lot from people who experience anger outbursts is they tell me at one point that that was the only way that their parents would hear them, right? So this is just a trauma response that was learned as a way to survive. And fight, the fight response, that would be 
more likely associated with avoidant attachment style. Um, it could be anxious as well if there was some protest behaviors or if the anxiously attached person gets really, really worked up, they may have that trauma response of fight. Uh, but we would see that with avoidant attachment. Okay. All right. We've got two down, two more to go. Freeze. The freeze response. This was me. I can definitely relate to the freeze response. I still have it. <laughs> <laughs> news flash, you know, like we can get so much better. And I do, I spend so much of my time in a securely attached place. And occasionally if all the stars align and there's enough stressors in my life, I can still find myself showing up with one of these trauma responses. But the good thing is obviously I'm aware of it and I know, and I can do my best to move out of it as quickly as I can. But the freeze response. So the person who experiences freeze they will really struggle to make decisions and they'll feel like they're very stuck and they will freeze. They will feel very tempted to dissociate um, and to isolate and to numb. So it's not even that it's happening intentionally, but their body goes into this place of, I want to disconnect from what I'm feeling. I will do anything that I can to numb. The person in freeze is, is susceptible to addiction, right? Because there is that desire to numb, to not feel, to dissociate from what is going on internally. And this, this person likely this could be associated with anxious attachment or disorganized. Um, but definitely, definitely anxious attachment. If, if you have an anxious attachment style, you might experience a freeze trauma response. Okay. I have more. I'm going to say about that when we talk about healthy coping. So stay tuned for the second part there to the freeze response. The final trauma response, this is an important one. I want to talk about fawn. Fawn was not talked about in early research on trauma responses. This has been newer, I would say in the last 20 years or so, um, where there's this new category called fawn. And with fawn, you can think about the person who learn to be a chameleon who learn to adapt to whatever environment they're in. So this is definitely associated with disorganized attachment for sure. And then also anxious attachment here. So fawn would likely be associated with disorganized attachment and anxious attachment. This is the person who is a people pleaser. They lack a really strong identity. So they're sort of merging with the people around them. They're really struggling with boundaries and they can really easily feel overwhelmed and they can easily step into codependent dynamics. Okay. So fun is so easy, especially in certain relationships where maybe there's a power differential or there's a hierarchy or even if you're in a relationship with someone who's very avoidantly attached and maybe you've put them on a pedestal 
and it's this fantasy relationship and you really want their attention, you may find yourself with a fawn trauma response of how do I just disconnect from my own needs and how do I try to merge with that person and become whoever it is I think they want me to be, right? I know a lot of you can relate to that. All of these trauma responses, once again, are born out of survival. They're born out of a desire to maintain connections, right? And it's important to realize that you can learn how to respond differently. Okay. So we talked about flight, fight, freeze, and fawn. One of the things that I think is really, really important is learning how to know when you are triggered. So just by learning these different responses, I hope it helps you become aware because sometimes we go in autopilot or we've got so many things and we're just disconnected from our emotions or our experience in our bodies and we don't even realize that we're triggered. So now that we've talked about these responses, I want you to just be tuned in and and try to notice like, oh, maybe I'm watching seven hours of Netflix because I actually feel emotionally triggered by something, right? So I want you to notice if you're in these maladaptive, unhelpful trauma responses, right? Um, So that's the first thing I would say if we're thinking about how to change this, notice, The second thing is to have curiosity and compassion about the response. So instead of judging yourself, and I know especially those of you who experience anger outbursts, I know how hard you are on yourself. You'll say like, oh my gosh, I was such a monster. How could I say those things? How could I raise my voice? How could I do that? So you're so tempted to judge yourself. But what's really important is to have that compassion curiosity, understanding, and let's get curious about the root. Let's try to understand like, where did you learn that from? What was going on for you? How can you have so much compassion for it? And then here's the next step. Ask yourself, what would securely attached me do next time? And this is where it can get really fun is thinking about what does it look like for me to cope in a healthy way. A lot of people have things in their life that they think are healthy coping skills that actually aren't. And one way to know is that anything in excess is actually really not helpful. So I would call out all my ladies when we do our shopping and we know like, Hey, shopping obviously makes me feel better. But if we're over shopping or we're shopping unintentionally, or we're, we're just doing it just to distract or just numb that, you know, skill that actually could be healthy in small doses. And when it's done in an intentional way, it becomes really unhealthy if it's done in excess. So anytime we're thinking about, okay, well, how do I realign with securely attached me? How do I learn to cope in a healthy way? I want you thinking about, well, what would it look like? So many people 
have never thought about this. They've never asked themselves this question of like, well, what does healthy coping look like for me? Because you need to think about it before you need it. (laughs) It's like, you know, you can't come up with um, the fire escape path in the midst of a fire. Like you have to have a plan, right? Before the fire starts, before you're feeling triggered, before your emotions go haywire, before you have that horrible day at work and you didn't sleep, you need to have a plan of what do I do when I need to cope that is healthy coping, okay? And one important distinction I really wanted to make, especially for those of you who experience the freeze response, which is so many people, I also think there's a lot of us experiencing freeze because um, it's so readily available to us to do it. So this is like a whole other podcast episode, but the way that social media works, the way that our streaming services work, we have the internet, et cetera. We have isolating, numbing, dissociating tools readily available to us 24-7. You could pick any moment of any day and go numb and dissociate based on the phone in the palm of your hand. So I want to make this distinction, especially for those of you who are caught in that freeze cycle, because it can be so easy to get caught in it, is there's a difference between alone time that is nurturing, that is filling your cup, that is giving to you, right? And alone time where you are numbing, dissociating, and disconnecting from self by connecting to something else. So for example, if I'm realizing, geez, I am scrolling on Instagram or freaking TikTok or whatever, Snapchat for y'all younger folks, I never got into Snapchat, but I know it's a thing. Um, And I am just on these apps and I am not connected to myself, right? Like I'm just engaging. I'm just, I'm getting all these inputs, right? You could be doing that for hours and then it's like, oh, I don't actually feel renewed. I don't feel any better. I did not give to myself. I did not tune into me. Instead, I just dissociated and numbed, right? What I would have you think about is what would it look like for me to tune into myself, do something for me, do something that adds value to my life, maybe something that I'm curious about, something I've always wanted to do. For example, you guys, I'm going to let you in on what's going on in my personal life. Um, I was starting to realize I don't really have many hobbies besides reading and lifting weights. I've always lifted weights and I've always loved reading. Right. But I was starting to realize, like, man, I need some other things in my life that bring me joy, that fill me up, that connect me to different parts of myself. So I recently realized, you know, hey, instead of watching Bachelor in Paradise or The Golden Bachelor, which by the way, I still watch them, but just not watching them as much, right? Instead of doing some mindless, TV watching, what if I picked up a hobby 
that felt good. There was something I was interested in. So I recently started learning how to play tennis. I've never played tennis in my life ever. And here I am, I'm using my brain, I'm moving my body, I'm interacting with people and I'm learning how to play tennis. And I guarantee you, it is such a better coping skill than sitting on the couch and watching Netflix. Is there a place for those activities? Absolutely. But it's when we do them in excess that they become problematic. So I want you to think about what are the things that you could do that fill up your cup where you're intentionally tuning into yourself and you're saying, what is it that I would like to do? Okay. So you're going to come up with the plan, right? Remember the steps you're becoming aware. You have curious, you're curious and you're compassionate about what's going on. And then you're saying, what would it look like for me to show up as my securely attached self? And how do I build a plan for before I need it? It could just be a list of three things. I, I used to have a list written down and it was like, go make yourself a green juice. I love ginger. There's something about ginger, you guys. It just does something to my body. Like I love ginger. So I had this green juice recipe of apple, ginger, lemon, kale, spinach, water, and I would just like, okay, I make the green juice. And then it would be like, go for a walk and go to a yoga class. Like I knew, I was like, okay, if I need to reset, if I'm really struggling, like this is the list, right? And that list has changed for me now, but I can guarantee you there was a time in my life where I literally had to have it written down so I could see it. And I could put it into action when I needed it. Because here's the thing, in the moment when you're really struggling or you're really triggered or you're really emotionally dysregulated, these behavioral things, these coping skills, they are going to be the last thing that you want to do. You don't want to do it. Your body's like, no, 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 no. So you have to make a commitment to yourself ahead of time that, hey, this is the plan. Just like if there was a fire, you would evacuate, right? Ahead of time, you say, this is the plan. If I am emotionally dysregulated, if I am struggling, if I know I need some healthy coping, this is the plan. All right. I hope that this was helpful. I hope all of you go make your healthy coping plan. Um, and of course you guys know that this November is an incredible time to join the empowered secure love program. I'm so grateful for all the amazing women we've been able to help. And I get so many engagement and wedding announcements now and people saying that their lives have been changed. It never gets old. It never gets old. I'm, a, I'm just so incredibly grateful. And this November, we're giving back to the community just because of hitting 4 billion downloads and being able to help over 500 women in the program just felt like a really good time to give back. And we have an amazing offer this month with a discount on the program. And you get this incredible gift pack, which includes the Boundaries Are Hot hat, the Boundaries Audio course, which is super valuable, 
And then you also get a journal and an I am enough bracelet, which I love those kinds of bracelets. I wear them every day because we need as much help as we can possibly get rewiring our brains. So if you can look down on your wrist and be reminded of an empowering affirmation, it's incredibly helpful. So this is such a good time to apply to the program. If you've been on the feds, get a head start on 2024. Do the work now so you can go into 2024 feeling really good, feeling supported. And I want to remind you that you're so worthy of investing in yourself. You know, maybe it's time to do some girl math for something that's really positive. We talk about girl math for justifying like getting the bags or getting your hair done. What about girl math for personal development and investing in you and knowing you are so, so worthy? Okay. So if you've been on the fence, go apply to the program. The link is in the show notes or in my Instagram bio at Dr. Morgan Coaching. I'm sending you all so much love. I appreciate this community. And of course, as always, I'm wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. Until next time. Thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate each and every one of you. The best way you can thank me is by sharing this episode on Instagram or Facebook. Make sure you tag me. It would mean the world to me if you took just a moment to leave me a written review on Apple Podcasts. This podcast is not free to produce. And the more that you help this show grow, the more people will be able to help. Until next time, I'm wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. Thank you for being part of this community.